Seeking some fuel for your nightmare, I see. I've worked security all my life, mostly clubs, events, shops, and other things like that. Never anything like this, nothing illicit. I was offered the job by a regular big spender at the club I was guarding, known only as Crash, a serious guy with fingers and all kinds of illegal pies. It was rumored the name came from his drug-dealing empire and the slew of enemies that had fallen victim to mysterious car accidents. I asked him about it once at the door and the guy stopped, looked me dead in the eyes and told me he loved Crash Bandicoot. We had a good rapport after that. Crash liked me. He said that there weren't many people out there with big enough balls to ask that question. We got on well and for all his faults, I found him to be a stand-up guy. He asked me if I'd consider working security for him last week. I turned him down at first made it clear I didn't want to be a part of anything violent. He talked me around with promises of a quiet job on a farm, fending off hapless stoners. It was only pot. I liked to partake myself on occasion. I'd never been into the heavy shit, but I did enjoy a smoke. Spending all night watching some plants up a mountain seemed pretty innocuous. It sounded more peaceful than the club scene, and it paid a hell of a lot better, too. At the time, I thought it was a no-brainer, but... Now I'm really starting to regret my life choices. Crash gave me coordinates to find the place and told me I'd be met by a guy called Bo, my new co-worker. The drive was gorgeous, out past fields and into the mountains, the sun just falling slowly behind them. I took a sunken, grassy turning into a small opening where three other cars were parked, right at the foot of the mountain and pulled up. Three men who stood leaning against a silver fiesta stopped talking to glare at me. They were a motley bunch, none of them really resembling any of the security guards I'd worked with before. Can we help you? Asked a short, rotund man with a long, wiry beard that bounced as he spoke. He craned his neck to look up at me. His brow was furrowed and his tone disdainful. I'm looking for Bo. I was sent by Crash. A thin, twiggy-looking young guy with a long mop of hair and a demeanor much friendlier than the bearded one stood up straight and took a step towards me. A goofy smile plastered across his face. He looked no older than 18. The new guy, welcome. Don't mind Travis, he's not so trusting. He scoffed in the direction of the bearded guy who was still scowling, and the third quiet man who remained leant against the fiesta, not taking much note of my presence at all. Bo Grackle here, ready for duty. Your name is? Mookie. I stretched out a hand to shake my new colleagues. What a name. Nice to meet you, Mookie. This is Travis and Grant. They're the day guys. Bo gestured to the two others once more, and the quiet guy, who was slightly taller but just as grouchy looking as his colleague, turned and spoke impatiently, twiddling car keys in his hand. This is great and all, but as he said, we're the day guys, and I've just finished my shift. I'm going home. Good luck out there, newbie. I'll learn your name if you're still here tomorrow. Grant nodded politely but solemnly and got in his vehicle before I could answer. Travis not far behind. 
I noticed a large patch of what looked like dried blood on his sleeve as he pulled the driver's side door shut. I was left with Beau and the inference that I might not be around in the morning. What did he mean? I asked nervously. Oh, Grant? He's just a joker. Don't worry. Come with me. Beau spoke with a perpetual niceness that I was already finding grating. His enthusiasm reminded me of a kid, excited to show his friend all his new toys from Christmas. As we walked a thin, winding trail, the sun set. Dusk kissed the mountain, and I tried to push my annoyance to the back of my mind. No matter what, the picturesque mountain was a better view than drunken folk in the gutter. It was a trek, but I suppose a giant pot farm had to be something you'd struggle to stumble across. We reached a thick brush that Beau joyfully pulled me through as twigs and branches cut into my skin. And then there we were. Isn't she beautiful? It certainly was. I could understand Beau's affection for the farm. Hundreds, maybe thousands of plants were all lined up in rows, stretching a huge patch of mountain. They danced in the faint breeze, setting off incredible waves of foliage. Just the other side of the brush, backed against it, were two fold-out camping chairs. All set up. See? Perfect. Time to settle in for the night, Mookie. I bought snacks and even better. Beau rustled in his pocket before plopping himself on one of the camping chairs and proudly holding up a slightly flattened, mangled spliff. What's the deal? Do we just sit here all night? I asked, perching myself on the other seat and lighting up a cigarette, ignoring his teen sleepover behavior. Well, mostly yes. There are some things to look out for. I'm sure Crash filled you in. Stoners, police, rival sellers, pests, mountain creatures, the Oostelfike, giant slugs. What? Bo took in my confusion and lifted a hand to his face in despair as his smile dropped for the first time. He stamped his feet on the ground like some kind of demented little elf or that same child he was earlier after his friend broke the toys. Crash didn't say anything, did he? That man does this every goddamn time. I'm going to give him such a piece of my mind. Didn't he learn from Ren? Who's Ren? What are you talking about? What is an Oostelfike? Bo exhaled seemingly every bit of air in his body, deflating like a balloon as he sunk back into his chair. Ren was the last guy Crash sent me. He was unprepared too, and he succumbed to the fucking slugs of all things. Crash had me call his wife. Poor woman was devastated. This patch of mountain mook, it ain't as safe as you might imagine. Other things share the space, and we have to look out for them. The occasional human invaders are the least of our concerns. That's the short version. In good time, you'll see it for yourself. But if you want to live, you'll listen to me and stay alert. I tried to take in what he was saying, but Bo resembled a teenage shaggy from Scooby-Doo and the mangled spliff he was suckling on as he spoke about giant slugs made it hard to take him seriously. Was this a babysitting job? Was I here to look after this guy? I knew I was going to be having serious words with Crash. It's Mookie. I answered firmly before struggling to hold in a laugh as I continued. And you expect me to believe I'm at risk of death by slug? Past the joint, man. I took it out of his hand and took a long drag, then exhaled. Bo looked crushed at my laughter. I felt guilty, even if I didn't. He really did believe what he was saying. The disappointment on his face made that apparent. A few hours passed, mostly in silence. We shared the spliff and watched the plants dance. Dusk became night, and Bo pulled out a tiny wind-up light that needed recharging every 15 minutes or so. There wasn't a great deal of conversation. Bo knew I didn't believe a word he said, and he wasn't prepared to continue trying to convince me, so I focused on the light. 
Counting how many times it turned off was how I passed the time. I thought about the money I was making, the ease of the job, and the glorious lack of drunk people. It made me want to make the best of things, so I tried to humor Bo and make him feel a little special. If things went well, I guessed I'd be spending quite some time with him. You never answered my question, man. What is an Ustolfike? Grumpy and arms crossed, Bo turned and scoffed. So you're ready to listen now, are you? Or do you just want to mock the crazy guy? I'm ready to listen, I promise. It wasn't entirely the truth, but I was bored stiff and I wasn't going to mock him after. It wasn't my style. I felt bad enough for doing it the first time. Bo sighed heavily again. At this stage, I wasn't sure how there was still air in his body. The Eustophyke is something that lives in the woodland just beyond the farm. We don't see it often. No one does. It only ever emerges when it's hungry. I looked out towards the horizon of trees that towered over the field of weed as he continued. There's plenty of small animals in the forest for it, but every now and again the thing likes a bigger treat. It's claimed more than a few co-workers. That's why I keep this. Bo's childlike grin creeped back onto his face as he reached into the inner layer of his coat, through a hole in the stitching, and pulled out a handgun, swinging it around in circles. My heart started to pound. I worked security, but I'd never seen an actual gun before. I expected Crash to have them, but I didn't expect Shaggy to have one hanging out in his jacket. And it was used to attack some strange mountain creature? I wasn't sure he was stable enough to be in possession of such a weapon, but he was. So I didn't say a word, just held my breath and played along. What does it look like, I asked. It's disgusting, Mook. It's about the size of a large dog. Got these little deformed limbs that move so quickly. Six of them. A jaw that stretches its entire face like some fucked up version of Zippy from Rainbow. And no eyes. Pushing aside my surprise that Bo was old enough to know what Rainbow was, and also the deep annoyance that he'd shortened my name again, I took notice of the expression in his eyes as he talked about the Ustofike's lack of. He was welling up a fear in them that was incredibly convincing. It made me truly uncomfortable. As I readied myself to ask another barrage of questions, there was a rushing sound coming from between the plants. It wasn't the sound of wind. Something was moving through them. Palm sweaty, I stood up, trying to catch a glimpse in the light. Stand back, Mook. I'll handle this. Bo leapt up, throwing an outstretched arm in front of me and skipped into the farm, stroking the plants with one hand and waving his gun with the other. Show yourself, motherfucker! Bo's voice changed as he screamed into the endless rows of plants. The weedy, cheerful kid became genuinely intimidating as he bellowed. I followed from a distance, holding the wind-up light in my phone torch, concerned and curious. Was this what Crash had hired him for? As a teenage stoner, I'd have run for my life at that voice. I imagined it was quite an effective scare tactic. Closing the distance between me and Bo, I noticed two figures just ahead of him, running around in the gaps between the plants. Little shits, he muttered under his breath as I caught up with him. What are they, I asked, kicking myself for buying into his paranormal obsession. As much as I hated to admit it, I could feel something more in the air. Maybe it was the kind of mystic feeling you get in the mountains, or maybe a sign of something much worse. The figures darted around the foliage, never hovering in a place where my light shone long enough for me to actually catch a glimpse. Instead, I just heard the giggling, echoing through the night sky. The laughter of children. I looked at my phone and we'd hit midnight. The moon was creating an eerie purple glow with smatterings of stars. Are they kids? Are there fucking kids here, man? What do we do? I started to freak out, logically, even without Bo's otherworldly explanations. 
kids running through a pot farm in the dead of night wasn't a good sign. It also wasn't the kind of thing that came up in training or in any of my other security jobs. I cursed myself for taking up Crash's offer. I was way out of my depth. Then they stopped moving. Two kids, no older than eight or nine, sat cross-legged on the floor, giggling as they played some kind of clapping game with each other. Maybe patty cake, I don't know. I was far too confused to pay attention. One girl and one boy who closely resembled one another and had to be siblings. I stuttered a few times, but Bo interjected. They aren't children, Mook. Don't let them fool you. These are the pests I was talking about. Pests? Did he just call two kids lost in the wilderness pests? The slightly older looking girl stood up and started to half skip towards us, springing and giggling. Don't come any closer, Bo bellowed again, chilling my spine with his tone. The girl didn't flinch, neither did her brother. He sat on the ground unbothered as she burst into hysterical laughter, cackling even. She threw her head back and clutched her stomach as if she had just seen the most hilarious thing imaginable. Creeped out, I edged backward slightly. After a few moments of the echoing laughter and Bo standing his ground, I realized the once little girl was now towering above him, above me even. I lowered my eyes to her feet, which were levitating about a meter off the ground, and gasped. What the fuck, Bo? Bo looked at me and grinned. I told you you'd see, he bragged, realizing I could no longer deny his claims that something was seriously fucking wrong. He raised his gun and turned his head to face the little girl, pointing it directly in her face. No, I screamed. She isn't a kid, Mook. Remember that. Bo stared at her coldly as he pulled the trigger and she hit the ground, dropping a significant distance from her floating position. The bullet hole was perfectly circular. No expected spatter or brains or anything. A huge lump formed in my throat. Regardless of how obvious it may have been that the kids weren't kids, she still looked like a dead kid on the floor despite the lack of blood. I looked away in horror and noticed her younger brother tearing at the plants around him, making use of the attention being on his sister. Instinctively, I did the only thing I could and walked towards him, intending to guard what I had been hired to and usher him off of the farm. Get him away from the gun, away from Bo. Don't do it, Mook. You don't know what you're messing with. I'm warning you. I was entranced, totally shaken by what I'd witnessed. I edged closer and closer to the boy, or not a boy, desperate to help him. As I got within a few inches, he started to change. His face morphed and his teeth elongated, meeting a perfectly sharp point. His skin grayed and black veins started protruding from his face. He hunched over on all fours and braced himself for launch. Foaming at the mouth, the small boy sprung up into the air and hurled towards me, Barely visible in the shadows as I dropped the phone face down in fear and the charge on the light ran out, leaving us all in the dark. Bang! A loud shot came from the side of me and the hideous creature just a few millimeters from my face dropped to the ground with a thud, just like the other one had. I heard the whirring of the handle on the torch and was mildly blinded as Bo fired it back up, revealing the two bodies on the floor. You said you were going to listen to me. You were about to be killed, he started shouting back in the mode of a petulant child. What the fuck was that? No time. We need to move them before they wake up. He grabbed hold of the girl's ankles and started to drag her through the plants towards the woodland on the horizon. Come on, follow me. Or die, your choice. I grabbed the boy's ankles, cringing as we pulled the knot children along the muddy path. I struggled to believe at first that they weren't completely and utterly dead. But sure enough, in the dim moonlight glow, their chests rose and fell rhythmically with breath 
My hands shook, struggling to grip. We encounter these guys quite often, common pests of this land, frightening, sure, but there are far worse things beyond the trees and eventually all of them come out to play. If you aren't cut out for this, then go home in the morning and don't come back. I don't want to be calling your wife, too. Boyfriend, I answered Bo's rant, still dragging the surprisingly heavy creature. What's the lucky guy's name? Alistair. Well, I don't want to make that call to Alistair, so please make a decision. We reached the vanishing point where the trees meet the lush green pot plants and the gaps between the branches created terrifying shadows that I was certain were moving. Bo let go of the girl's ankles and she flopped to the ground. I followed suit. Let's go back. We need to clear some ground so they don't follow when we get up. We trudged back through the plants silently. It was uncomfortable just like our walk to the farm from the cars had been. I felt kind of bad for not listening to my new colleague. Granted, his presentation of the issue wasn't great, but there was no denying that he was right. Human visitors would have been nothing in comparison. About halfway, he stopped and told me to turn around. We turned just in time to watch the two not-kids stand up, dust themselves off, and skip off into the trees. As if nothing had happened. As if neither of them had fucking bullets in their brains. Do monsters have brains? A few birds flew out from the canopy masking the stars in the sky. I took in the surroundings, breathed in the fresh air, and made a decision. I'll be here tomorrow, Bo. I should have listened. I'm sorry. He smiled like he'd just woken up to that mountain of toys on Christmas. We talked, walked, and enjoyed another spliff together by the brush. The sunrise was gorgeous, the type of uninterrupted view that no other job was going to provide. An alarm rang from Bo's pocket. Shift's over, Mook. Time to hand it back to Travis and Grant. Come on. The tiredness was starting to hit me and I stood up in preparation for the hike down the mountain, itching to get to bed. Just before turning to climb back through the brush, I took one last look at the tree line on the horizon. That's when I saw it. Bo had been right. It was the size of a large dog, or woof, with multiple twisted appendages coming from its body, its mouth splitting its face perfectly in two, just visible in the distance. I could swear it looked right at me before retreating. It's when I realized that this job wasn't going to be anything close to simple. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star review. We do appreciate it, and we will see you again next time on Nightmare Fuel. Nightmare Fuel.